0: I'm Sandra Hayes Buckley, and you are listening to the Mind Your Mind podcast, a podcast that delves into what minding your mind means to different people, what self-care looks like in their lives, and why minding their minds is so important to them. I hope you enjoy. This episode of the Mind Your Mind podcast is sponsored by Rainbow Crescent. Rainbow Crescent is an online shop specialising in uplifting products with the aim of putting a smile on people's faces. Check it out at www.rainbowcrescent.ie. On this week's episode, I am joined by Kira McCullough. Kira is a mental health coach with lived experience, and at this point, I will add a trigger warning as suicide and suicidal ideation are mentioned at the outset and throughout. During our chat, we discussed Kira's own experience of mental health, how her journey brought her to coaching, and how she now helps other people to look after their own mental well-being. Kira, you are so welcome to the Mind
1: Your Mind podcast um thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure to be here for
0: anyone who's listening who isn't familiar with yourself could you give us an introduction into who you are and what you're all about
1: that is the existential question isn't it <laughs> <laughs> um i remember been asked this question loads of times before who am i and i always used to struggle to answer it because i was like what do i say what's the best thing i can do and mm-hmm. i suppose tied up in that would have been a lot of people pleasing uh who should i be and what should i do mm-hmm. um so let me answer this as honestly as I can, in the way that feels completely aligned to me right now. First and foremost, who I am is a best friend to myself first. And after that, I am a wife. I am uh, the mother of a little legend called May. Um, I am daughter, friend, and uh, sister. And I suppose what I do then for work is I am a mental health uh, coach. Um, I go by the mindset coach. And all of that is tied up in, I'm a coach with lived experience, so very much um, everything that I kind of always try to do is very much centered around creating positive change around mental health and also creating a new narrative around what it is to look after mental health. So all of that is tied up in who I am. So that's a very (laughs) long-winded short, (laughs) but uh, could potentially be way longer answer. (laughs) And
0: you touched on it there, you um, work as a mental health coach. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, why is it important for yourself to look after your own mental wellbeing, But also, yeah. why is it important for you to help others with their mental wellbeing through the work that you do?
1: Yeah, so I suppose, like I mentioned there a little while ago, I am a coach with lived experience. So when I approach my coaching, um, I obviously have lived through what it's what it feels like to maybe have not looked after my mental health and mm-hmm know the impact of that so to give you a little bit of background and story into um why I became a coach and why I'm so passionate about why I do what I do and um how important I feel it is for me to help others with their mental health is between the ages of 19 and 22 I had three attempts to end my life and for me at that time I wasn't my best friend Mm -hmm. and I was very much tied up in the mindset or belief or assumption that I was not good enough I was worthless I had no value and that was the they were the type of stories that very much ruminated and consumed my every fiber of my being mind body and I think when I look back on it I saw a lot of evidence to match it Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: the more evidence I found the more I started to believe it and the more I started to believe it the more evidence I found because of like just the way our minds work anyway. But I think when we're younger, we're not taught how to use our minds. We're not taught about like how they work. And I think for me, one of the biggest um, parts in my story was I genuinely believed that I was broken, that there was like almost like a a factory flaw in how I was designed or um, just something not right with me. And I think when I got to the age of 22, I was in this space where I just had this, I just had enough of not feeling enough Mm -hmm. I got to a point where I was like there is nothing that I can do to escape what I'm feeling
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: I can't seem to talk about it I can't seem to vocalize it I don't know don't even want to say it to anybody because I didn't want to engulf them in what I was feeling as well
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so I kept it to myself and then got to a point where I believed truly that the only option that I had was to to leave this earth And the turning point in my life, and I'm answering your question in a really long-winded way, but I want to give you background as to uh, why it's important to me, um, is the turning point came for me was when I lay on a hospital bed after the third attempt in my life. And I remember so vividly waking up and going, (sighs) genuinely like had this, why am I here? That was the first question I asked. And it was tainted with this, Why do I have to be here? Like almost like an anger and a frustration that I, that I'm here, that Mm. I was alive. And the second thought that followed after that was, see, you're not good enough. You couldn't even do that right again. Mm. Then I lay there for a while and to my left hand side, my mother was sitting beside me and I kind of cast my gaze towards her and I could visibly, visibly see the pain that I had caused. Mm. And I very quickly said to myself, you've caused this. But while I could see all the pain, I could also see a lot of relief, relief that I was still here and relief that I was still alive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And to give you a little bit of story about our family, my dad died by suicide when I was one. So I very much was sitting there lying there going, OK, I've caused the same pain again and I'm repeating the same thing again and I'm putting her through the same thing again. And mm. then I asked, I don't know, Sandra, call it like a eureka moment, a light bulb moment. I don't know how and where I came from. But I asked that same question to myself, just in a different way. Why am I here? Mm. Why did I survive? Why am I alive? With a different type of tone. And that different tone gave me almost like this curiosity to be like, okay, what would it be like if I actually just discovered what it was to be alive? Mm -hmm. And then came the question where I think that the turning point in my story was and something I lean into every single day as a part of looking after my mental health is I very much at that point said to myself, I had two options. The first was to keep going the way I was going, not talking, not opening up, not looking after my mental health, not kind of getting as much information as I could. Mm-hmm. And then the other option I had was to do the opposite. Tell me, I have no idea where all those ideas came from, but that they were just there. I think for the very first time in my entire life, I realized that I had a choice. Mm. And at that moment, I chose to live. And from then, so I'm 32 now, since 10 years ago, every day and every single day, I choose to put myself first. I choose to look after my mental health. I choose to look after my physical health. I choose to look after my emotional health. I lean into the power of choice so much that that is why it is so important to me because I get to be here. And that's the reason I started with, I'm a best friend to myself first.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So to answer your question, based off of what I just said is why, is, why is it important to me to look after mental health? Because it keeps me alive. And that is the foundational piece to it. And not only does it keep me alive, but it helps me thriving. And for so very long, I, I just survived. I was just getting by. I was just existing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In that moment, uh, kind of one of my lowest moments, the choice to see what it was to live, me putting myself first and me looking after my mental health and making it a priority to live but to truly thrive like genuinely truly thrive if I told past version of me what I have done in those last 10 years I would have said that that was far beyond anything that I would ever thought possible and that's why for me it's so important to look after my mental health
0: thank you so much for sharing all of that and you know something you said there was so powerful it's that reframing of I have a choice and I get to be here rather than why am I here? And I think that's so powerful. And I know that it will resonate with a lot of people, anyone who has struggled in the way that you have. I I know I resonated with it as well. It, it's so powerful to be able to reframe those thoughts because they can be all consuming those. Why am I here? What, why is this happening to me? why, You know all and it can be very accusatory actually as well like you know what's wrong with me what is you know why can't i be you know x y and z Mm -hmm. but reframing it as i get to be here i get to do this i get to live yeah that's so powerful and i'm very glad that you had that moment in in the hospital and that you had that eureka moment um because you're now helping other people yes and i suppose with the work that you do with other people um on their own mental well-being is is that I suppose is your own experience why it's so important for you to help other people as well
1: 100 percent. so when I started to kind of gain a bit more clarity on how I could look after myself and what the tools were and, and kind of what had been working for me I just felt very much this huge sense to share it and to be maybe the beacon of light and hope to maybe what I didn't have or what I didn't get to see um and that's just not within like people that were around me, just like social media and all that kind of stuff. I just didn't see it been spoken about. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just felt compelled to start sharing. So I started sharing my story and then I kind of naturally kind of fell into coaching in terms of like, I was coached and really saw the power in it. And then was like, actually, this is what I feel really drawn to doing. Um, and I think it's important for me to, to do that because for me, I believe that everything that we've been through we have a choice over whether we allow it to let us stay in survival mode
2: mm-hmm. and
1: get stuck or whether we allow it to be our passport. And what I mean by that is I believe I'm not going to aim in here at like everything happens for a reason because fucking people go through really shit things and that's awful mm-hmm. and it never happens. So I never want to say that, but if you have been through really tough times, there's an element of, I believe in my case that I can use it to, help others. And I always have had this like deep urge and deep kind of sense of wanting to help and wanting to use my story as best I could to show other people what's possible. Um, And that's why it's important to me. And I think in working with the clients that I do and and kind of helping them and partnering with them to to make that choice and to know that they can make that change, it fulfills me beyond anything that I've ever experienced before. So there's a, a two element to it that I found my ultimate fulfillment. Um, but I get to kind of be living proof. And and I think just to kind of tie everything in together, I fundamentally believe that for me to be the most, the best coach that I can possibly be and to help people as much as I can possibly help them, it requires me to be that person to myself first. Mm-hmm. Um, so my job very much is pushing me and propelling me into making sure that I look after myself.
0: Fantastic. And do you know what you touched on something there as well. The I do I hate the saying everything happens for a reason as well. I (laughs) absolutely hate it because it's just it. I don't know. It touches a nerve with me anyway. Um, but I totally understand where you're coming from with the you know your past experiences help form and I suppose inform Mm -hmm. you going forward and help shape your what your future looks like and what your beliefs and your values and all of that sort of thing, and. I think that that's, that's very powerful as well that, you know, obviously you had this horrific experience in your past, but the fact that you have been able to shape that and I suppose reframe it in going forward and using it um, in a positive light in your helping other people while also helping yourself, you know, there's a lot to be said for that being able to, I suppose, just reframe that experience as, you know what, it was terrible, but something good will come from it. 100%
1: like and I I truly believe that I think a better way of saying it is your past doesn't define you Mm -hmm. I think for so very long I thought that part of the reason I suppose my past defined me that's what I like truly Mm -hmm. believed like it's it's because I had been through all this that's why I am the way I am like and that's Mm -hmm. I started to believe that I had no choice over like who I was Mm -hmm. very powerless to think that I could change anything And I think when I say that, like, we can use our past as like, you know, to inform our future, Mm -hmm. we can either stay stuck in it or we can move forward with it, knowing that we have been through this, but then leaning into the power that we have a choice to define what our next steps are.
0: Yeah, and I think it's very... I suppose normal in the sense that a lot of people go through it, that that real all or nothing thinking when you are stuck in that situation, you're like, it's going to be like this forever. I'm never going to get out of this. It's, you know, this is how it's always going to be. And to be able to move out of that and go, actually, you know, it doesn't have to be always like this. We can, you know, things can change and we can you know, make a, a positive experience out of something that was so negative and so hard to go through. Um, I think that's really important to touch on because I think there can be a huge amount of all or nothing think- thinking with mental illness. Yeah. I know I went through it myself as well. I can really resonate with what you're saying there. You know, the, that, that feeling of this is never going to change. It is always going to be like this. And I'm never going to be. I think different. I
1: think when I um I think when I started to kind of learn about our mind and how it worked, um, it really started to help me create an understanding of why I felt the way I felt and I'm going to get a little bit nerdy here for a second, but it might be of value to, to somebody. Um, we have what's called the reticular activating system in our brain and our mind. And what that means is the RAS is its main job is to help our brain conserve energy. Okay. Cause we can't take in all of the information all of the time. How it does its job is this, it takes what we believe and it shuts down any information that might contradict that belief. So, The reason sometimes we feel that this is just who we are and this is just how it's always going to be forever is because we keep seeing information to match what we're feeling and thinking.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. That doesn't make it true. It's just we're not getting to see all of the the counter uh, pieces of information that actually might kind of challenge it. All we're seeing is information that is aligned with our most dominant thoughts. So take mine, for example, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough with something that just repeated and repeated and repeated in my mind. And how I used to question myself was, what's wrong with me? Why am I always like this? Why do I have to feel like this? And guess what answers I got? Here's all the things that are wrong with you. Here's why you feel like this. And here's fucking why it's right. So I got all the information that matched the questions I was asking. Mm -hmm. So I was getting evidence to support why I wasn't good enough. And over time, I started to believe it. Like really believe it. And then what happens as a result of that, just how our brains are wired. I believe that. So I didn't get to see and have access to all of the ways I was enough, all mm. of the ways I was achieving, all of the ways I was succeeding, all of the ways that I was loved and valued and appreciated just by being who I was. I just couldn't see it.
2: Mm.
1: That's not to say that it wasn't not there. It was there. I just couldn't gain access to it. And that happens us all. So mm. it's it's also like if we, how it works is, say you buy a new car, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, where you buy a specific car that maybe was never on your radar before. So let's say a yellow Volkswagen Golf. Now, all of a sudden, because you have just bought one, they're everywhere. So that's a mixture of Mm -hmm. how our minds work. Confirmation bias shows you more information and then reticular activating system shows you more. Mm -hmm. That works with our beliefs as well. So in me sharing that, why, why I want to share that with you is because I think so many people believe that they're flawed when ultimately what's happening is that their brain is just not, um, I'm going to say working in a way that is serving them. And mm-hmm. the thing we know about the brain is that it's very malleable and we can change it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So here's how I did it. I asked myself different questions. So rather than what's wrong with me, why am I always like this? I asked myself What happened to me to make me feel like this? Hmm. Two very different sets of answers.
2: Hmm, Absolutely.
1: Two very different sets of outcomes. And also as a result of that, two very different set of beliefs. Hmm. Oh, I have more compassion and more understanding to be like, oh, well, you're feeling like this now because that's something that you've experienced in the past before. Well, let's have compassion and empathy for how I feel now. And let's lean into the power of choice for how I want to feel in the future. And building from understanding and compassion, rather than shame and guilt, and judgment and criticism of ourselves, the far place, better place, and more beneficial to 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 build from. Mm. And we can come by the the questions that we ask ourselves.
0: Yeah, and it's it's reframing that confirmation bias as well, because you will look out for more things that you know. It, Why, why am I, if if you're always saying I'm not good enough, I'm not, whatever, you'll constantly be looking out for those things that, you know, things you in inverted commas failed at, or you're not good at or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're reframing it and looking at, well, you know, what happened to me? How can I, you know, move forward? That sort of thing. You will start to look for those things uh, and work on those things. Because I know myself as well, that, when I, I had very similar thought process to you, actually, as you were talking, I was like, I, yep, that was, that was me as well, that the, I'm not good enough. I would, you know, look around the house and be like, look at the state of the place. That's my fault. You know, the, the kids are still in their pajamas. That's my fault. You know, I, I had to take time off work to go on sick leave. You know, that's not my fault for not being, you know, good enough or capable enough of not, you know, not, not getting so bogged down in my panic and everything. And I I constantly kind of was like this spiral, this, you know, this hamster wheel of negativity. And it's only when you step off it and go, hang on a second. Yeah. How can we look at this? And I, I had to, you know, like for me, it was therapy helped me a lot with that. Um, attending psychiatry, you know, there was an awful lot of things that I had to go through um, nice. for that. And I suppose, not wanting to get too personal here but I suppose was it an epiphany that you had on your own or do you was there something that helped you um with that
1: um in terms of like reframing how my mind worked or like my turning point in my life I suppose reframing how your mind
0: worked yeah
1: yeah like for me it was so when I went to therapy <clears throat> I from that moment in the hospital bed I made a promise to myself to be like, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to do the opposite of what I had been doing and go all in and that. So mm-hmm. what that looked like was if I had been not talking, not opening up not asking for help, the opposite of that was to talk, to open up, to ask for help. So first when I came out of hospital, I was um, given an appointment for a psychiatrist who referred me on to a counselor. Mm-hmm. So I went therapy and um, it was about six sessions in. Mm-hmm. I kind of just had this I'll tell you actually why I had this so it was through the help of a a therapist and she's an amazing lady and the very first session I went in very first question that she asked me after how I was was how do you feel at home and I was like where are you going with this question (laughs) so I was like you know a little bit shy a little bit reserved and I was like oh look Grand. I kept my head down. I was like, sometimes I just like being on the go. I don't really like being at home. It's not that I don't like my home. I just don't really feel content at home. Mm. Um, had all these words to say. So she wrote down the answer, and then we went about the session. And about six weeks later, she asked me the same question: "How do you feel at home?" And at this point, I, we had built up a little bit of relationship. Like, where are you going with this question? And she's like, "Amuse me." So I was like, "Okay, fine." Well, I said, "Today is." I think it was either Monday or Tuesday. I said, "Today is Tuesday." For the very first time in my entire life, for the first time ever, I stayed at home and I was content at home and I didn't feel the need to go anywhere or do anything or distract myself or just I felt really just happy just to sit there and be there and Mm. I was enjoying my own company. She sat up in her chair and she said, hmm, and I was like, are you going to tell me where you're going with this question now? And she said, I never meant your house. I meant your home. And for people just listening to this, she pointed to her her mind. And that was the eureka moment, you could call it, where I went, ah, now I see what she means. Now I see what um, all of this is about. And from then, I started to get really, really like, I'm going to say obsessed about like learning about my mind and learning about how it worked and just started reading books and then when I did my kind of coaching course, I did NLP and then just just true learning and being curious and just wanting to really just know as much as I possibly could about my home.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: that's kind of the, that was the catalyst for that. Um, so, yeah, it was spurred on by definitely somebody else asking me questions.
0: Yeah, and I think sometimes it takes that person outside of the situation okay. to kind of, you know, pose those questions to you or to. I suppose reframe what you're thinking and then it actually becomes clearer that oh actually yeah. maybe what maybe what I'm telling myself is is not entirely true because you can get so caught up I, I find anyway you can get so caught up in you know that inner critic of you know you're not good enough you're not good enough this that and the other thing and you never will be and you know it's this whole Ca- you know catastrophic thinking like, that like nope you're never going to be good enough you're never ever ever going to be good enough and somebody else actually saying well hang on is that true yeah sometimes sometimes that's all you all you actually need is somebody to kind of I suppose stop. challenge chal- mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, stop it and challenge it and say well hang on where where's your proof for this because yeah, yeah. you know yes you have your confirmation bias proof in inverted commas but how mm-hmm. <laughs> that <laughs> but yeah exactly you need you know somebody somebody to just say well you know is all of that true you know just because you've been telling yourself that and um I suppose at what point did you do your did you get into the coaching then
1: yeah so I when I'm trying to think now probably around eight years ago so like I think within two years of like doing a a, a little bit of like a good bit of work on myself and kind of mm-hmm. laying foundations you could say um an organization called sea change came on the radar Mm. uh, on my radar anyway they were probably around long ago um but they came on my radar and they were looking for ambassadors to share their story so that's kind of where I started um I became an ambassador for them started sharing my story and just talking about my own story more um and then it was actually true I just kind of started to speak more and share more and, and do a little bit of public speaking but Covid actually granted me the time to uh, do my degree or diploma, so um, and, my, and my qualification. I was a wedding photographer by trade uh, before yeah. I became. A coach. So when Covid hit, uh, obviously weddings ceased to exist, mm-hmm. and there was a period of that, like year of 2020, when mm-hmm. I was twiddling my thumbs and been like, right, what the fuck do I do now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had kind of been slowly starting to look at coaching and slowly, slowly starting to kind of just see what, where I could go and what I could do and see if I could just do something in it. Mm-hmm. And What I found was they were all on Saturdays. So I never really had the time to to do it. And then COVID came and gave me the time. And that's kind of where I was born from. And since then I've just built it up and I am stopping weddings in 2024 because it's the business is driving. So it's great.
0: Fantastic. And I think with COVID as well I think it did afford a lot of people the opportunity to kind of slow down reassess and figure out okay what do I actually really want to do Mm -hmm. Um, because you had mentioned that you know it was something that you got interested in you know quite a while ago but I suppose with COVID it's kind of like you you then all automatically kind of had that opportunity of well here you go here's, here's your time
1: yeah. And I and I also actually in that time, uh, so pr- pr- prior to like 2020, I had been investing in myself more, but I had been keeping a mood journal. Mm. So what I would do is like three to four times a day, I'd check in with myself. How am I feeling and why am I feeling like that? So mm. it could have been I feel happy, I feel energized, I feel excited. Why? So I'd always write down the answer. So I've just been back from a cold water swim or I've just been back from a run or I've just been whatever it was, I'd, I'd write down the answer. And I would also, if there was anything that I was feeling like anxiety or overwhelm or whatever it was, I would write down why. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I did that for the bones of a year and a half, I think. I still do it from time to time, but I did it for a year and a half consistently as I could. And what I got to see is a huge stack of information, right? Mm -hmm. Of where my life was more joyful, more excited, more energized, more just at peace and at ease. Mm-hmm. And what was causing all my unease, my anxiety and my stress.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And from that information, I realized that emotions are the most powerful things that we can listen to. Mm. They're neither good nor bad. All they are is really important information. And in my view of things, what they are is they're information to say whether our needs have been met or not. Mm-hmm. So when I looked at all the times I felt joy and excited and at ease and at peace they were the moments that all my needs were met. Mm -hmm. When I felt anxious and overwhelmed and stressed and sad and angry, they were the moments where my needs weren't being met. And what that afforded me was choice. A choice to be like, how can I build my life more towards what gives me peace? What gives me joy? What helps me feel alive? And how can I start to design my life away from what causes me anxiety? What causes me stress? What causes me hardship? What causes me? sadness hmm. so that's what i did and i'm not saying for a second that my photography business didn't uh <laughs> it didn't call, it, it did, didn't not it give me joy it give me that but it wasn't completely and utterly fulfilling me mm-hmm. and using that information i started to be like i know that this job what i do now it's not a job for me it's a vocation hmm. it's, it's a passion and as cliche as it sounds i don't feel like i'm ever working. Um. And I always feel just like so grateful to be here. Um, and that's that's come from me. What gives me joy, what, what lights me up. So it's speaking about my story and it's helping people. So I just wanted to do more.
0: Fantastic. And you mentioned there again, choice. And, yeah. you know, it's so powerful, actually, that you've mentioned that, that it gave you the choice to kind of step into this mm role which I suppose it's stepping into your power as well because you're you're stepping into something you love something you're so passionate about Mm -hmm. and again like earlier when you were talking about the choice you had when you were in that hospital bed you know it's the power of choice has been huge for you really in in your story and realizing that that you had those choices and I suppose then um, to get onto how you look after your mental well-being so what does self-care look like to you I know you mentioned cold water swimming um, and how you know how do you look after your mental well-being when you're maybe feeling that bit stressed or, or anxious um, are there things that you tools that you pull out of your tool toolkit in particular in those moments and I suppose what your regular self-care looks like
1: yeah so I'm just going to set the scene a little bit because I think often when they hear, oh, well, she's a mindset coach, it must be easy for her (laughs) to look after her mental well-being. Um, Sometimes it's not because I'm a 14-month-old, I run two businesses, uh, I try my best to be like all things to all people all the time. So what it looks like for me is it's not often easy and I often don't do what I probably should be doing for myself. Um, So I just want to put that out there because just because I am a coach doesn't mean I always do the things for myself when I should do them. And I think that's important to say. So for me, what it looks like is I do my best to try and meet my needs. That's what self-care looks like to me. If I'm tired, I would take time to try and become more energized. So that could look like a nap. It could like, could look like uh, asking my partner to see if I can knock it up with me in the morning and she can do the, the, that instead. Um, mm-hmm. Vocalizing and asking for it. Um if I am stressed, what it looks like is I enjoy running for um, eradicating stress or a hill walk or just moving my body. Um, and I think movement is, for me, the most beneficial thing that helps me um, with kind of like with my self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be hiking. It could be running. It could be uh, swimming. It could just be a uh, pottering around the garden. But just I find with all those things whatever I can go and do that helps me move my body, but also be there, like fully there. So take swimming, for example, when you're in the cold, all you can think about is being in the cold and trying to survive the cold. And that's me being fully in the present moment. Cause I'm not thinking about emails. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about anything else or what I haven't done. I'm just there.
2: Mm.
1: Usually when I come out of that, like 99% of the time, I'm energized and refreshed because It has just allowed me to like switch off a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, in my self-care, because I'm running kind of two businesses, I also very much never push myself to do something because I feel like I have to. Mm. That could be, for example, over the last three days because business has been so busy, I haven't posted on social media. And while that seems a bit trivial, I think a lot of people can get tied up in the guilt of that. Like I haven't done this and I haven't been online and I haven't done this and get caught up in the spiral of I must not be not good enough. Everybody else seems to have it all together. Mm. I try my best that when I feel like I'm doing things out of urgency or I have to have it done and have to have it done yesterday, I take Mm -hmm. a step back. That's my signal to say, uh, come back and do something for you. Um, So as best I can, I connect with friends. So I have social um, interaction uh, and connection. Um, I go on hikes. I go for swims. Outdoors plays a massive part in it. Um, being by the water plays a massive part in it and I think above all else the overarching theme there is I have tools in my toolkit and I have a plan do I always do them? No <laughs> right. Um, but to know that I have a toolbox when when I get to the point where I know that I haven't done them and it's an impact on me then I can pull back and be like right what am I not doing and what can I do now um, for my emotions I use the emotional wheel and that helps me Pinpoint how I'm actually feeling and pinpoint what I actually need. So you can Google it. Like if you Google the wheel of emotions, you'll get it. And what it allows you to do is actually pinpoint how you feel. And from there, part of my self-care is to give myself what I need, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of it. And in terms of that, it's just trying to create balance between looking after myself and then prioritizing family and friends and stuff so it's just balance for me is a big thing and I will cultivate that before I cultivate my work schedule or whatever so essentially putting myself first before the business
0: you touched on something oh god I'm still there can you see me I can oh I can't see anything I've just gone black (laughs) the screen okay I'm back I can cut this out That's fine. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought it had shut down or something. Okay. Um, so you touched on something there on... You know, my train of thought is gone now because of the <laughs> black screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh what God. was I saying? I can't even remember what you were Yeah, I can't remember either. Hang on now. Oh, yeah. You touched on something there about... Sometimes it's not always possible to be doing all of the things all of the time the self-care and I think that's important actually to reflect on because some people think that they're failing at self-care or failing at minding themselves or failing at you know whatever it is because they didn't do some of the things that they have in their toolbox but sometimes it's just about recognizing that they're there and you know if you if you need them because some like because life happens as well sometimes you, you might not be able to go and jump in the sea or you might not be able to you know do some of the things you might not be able to go for the nap that you need to look after your sleep and then you know that leads to that can lead to tiredness and you know kind of there can be that spiral and I think it is important for people to realize <clears throat> excuse me that sometimes you can't do all of your self-care you know because there will be stuff that will get in the way
1: hmm when your self-care turns into so when your self-care is adding to your to-do list i think it's going to have the opposite effect that you think it will Mm. so it doesn't become self-care anymore it becomes self-chore in my opinion right Mm. so one of the things that that is i think the most powerful thing that we can have first before we have self-care before we can have anything else is acceptance
2: Mm. so
1: Case in point, uh, two or three days ago, my daughter May had her vaccinations and I usually do my workout in the evening and then she just drew a fever from the vaccination. She was super needy and she needed like us to be around. Couldn't do my exercise. Now, Mm -hmm. I had two choices in that moment to get frustrated at the fact that I couldn't do it and buy into the story of I can't do it and I failed and I should have done it earlier and I should have and Mm -hmm. I'm shitting all over myself and putting myself down and like I suppose writing the story that I'm a failure Mm -hmm. when in reality something came up that was out of my control and somebody needed me and I think in that moment if you can accept it you can actually just feel a bit more ease and peace Mm -hmm. and I think acceptance Mm -hmm. is a massive thing and that comes with our emotions as well how are you feeling well I feel shit today let's accept that Mm
0: -hmm. I think that's that in itself is self-care as well that acceptance
1: yeah because if you can't, like, if, if, and I've interrupted there, if you can't accept how you feel, you can't change your feeling state. You're just mm. trying to run away from it and avoid it instead. So acceptance is massive.
0: Huge, yeah. And I think people can get a lot bogged down with that as well um I've heard a lot of people saying like oh Jesus I haven't made my work you know my workout this week and I you know I really should have done it and like you know they're beating themselves up and like what you said it becomes a chore then it's not you're not you're not caring for yourself if you're kind of beating yourself up because oh I missed a thing and like for me a lot like at the moment I can't do any exercise because I'm waiting on a hip on hip surgery and um you know like i could go down the the line of you know like, just, like i really should be getting out for a walk or a, you know like that's that's what helps with my mental health but like i can't and i just have to accept the fact that i can't and like i've just kind of changed around the things that i do i go down to the beach and i just sit right. yeah, yeah and, you know i get out in the fresh air and i you know take in the the sounds and the smells and the the whatever And that is what's serving me right now because I I physically can't do what I would ordinarily have done before.
1: And that can only come from a place of acceptance. Yeah. Like finding what else that you can do and and kind of adapting and overcoming and and like finding your new normal in that situation can Mm -hmm. only come from accepting that you can't do what you want to do. And acceptance is that huge piece that I think is fundamentally the most powerful thing in, in all of our story. And when we, can learn to accept how we feel right now and also accept the fact that we have the power to change and that's the powerful thing. Um, something that I do for myself every morning before I get up out of bed is I just take five minutes and I will take out my journal and this is the template that I'll give you. Three things I'm grateful for and why because it primes my mind for gratitude and we all know how powerful that is because what mm. we're grateful for, what we get more of. But The reason that's powerful is because we spoke about confirmation bias earlier. But mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're setting the tone of gratitude for the day, we are training our brain to look and seek for more gratitude and mm-hmm. more things to be grateful for. So we're changing up how our brain is wired. So that's how, I, how and why gratitude is so important. But the next question that I always ask myself before I even get up out of bed and before my two feet hit the floor is, how do I want to feel today? Mm-hmm. And for me, I could wake up feeling shit. I could wake up feeling unmotivated. And... In the past, that would have been how my day would go. That would set the tone. Now I accept how I feel, no matter what it is, but then I also know that I have a choice. So I might feel shit, might feel unmotivated, might feel tired. How do I want to feel instead? So I write them down and then I ask myself, what is, like, I, I might write down energized, confident, whatever. I'll, I'll usually write three. And they become then my feelings for the day. And I will write down three small things, small is the important word there, three small things that I can do to bring about those feelings into my life. So confidence, well, speaking to myself in a really empowering manner helps me feel confident. So I'm going to do that for the day. Um, Energized, getting outside or with a little stream here down by our house, putting my feet in the stream, that helps me feel energized, going for a swim helps me feel energized. All those little things, Mm -hmm. little things that we can do for ourselves. But what they ultimately become is when you follow through on those small things every day, tiny, tiny things, what you're doing is voting for yourself and building yourself trust. And with trust comes confidence. So those little five minutes in the morning and those little tasks that you set actually become the most transformative things in your life.
0: That's brilliant. And I'm sure that that template will actually help a lot of people because I hadn't heard about the, you know, I've, i'm obviously familiar with gratitude but i hadn't heard of that you know the putting down what way you want to feel during yeah. the day and i think that's very powerful actually because when you're doing that first thing in the morning before you ever get out of bed you're kind of setting yourself up for right you know here's mm-hmm. how i would like to feel today yeah. and you know obviously you're not going to put down i want to feel anxious
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. but like- what you're also doing you're also like like questioning yourself in a way that serves you mm-hmm. so that's what i always like help my clients apparently partner with my clients to do is i don't want any of them to stop questioning themselves we as human beings were we're the only species that can do what's called meta thinking which means that we're the only species that can self-reflect mm-hmm. so by default of that ability We are going to ask ourselves questions all of the time, but a lot of us do it in a way that doesn't serve us. What's wrong with me? Why am I always like this? Why do I always have to feel like this? Rather question yourself in a way that serves you. How do I want to feel today and how can I make that happen?
0: Yeah, I think that's very powerful, actually. You know, it's it's really reframing the way of how you speak to yourself, how you and how you challenge yourself, because a lot of the time how we challenge ourselves is so negative. And it's stuck. And again, back to that confirmation bias, it is really stuck in, you know, how can how can I confirm what I what I already know? know, Yeah, yeah, my my, my inner critic is telling me. Um, And I think on that very, very insightful note, um, that's a lovely place at which to finish our chat today. So thank you so much for joining me on the Mind Your Mind podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I could uh, speak to you all day. So it was absolutely incredible. So well, thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Mind Your Mind podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, rate, review or follow. It really does help with getting the podcast out there. You can follow us on Instagram at Mind Your Mind Pod for extra content and some behind the scenes action. Talk to you next week. And in the meantime, don't forget to mind your mind.